You are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 17. Welcome to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Today on the podcast, I'll be answering the question, what's the right way to handle a disrespectful child? Followed by the Supermom Kryptonite. And mamas, if you ever feel out of control, then today is a Supermom Kryptonite to listen to and pay attention. Followed by the Supermom Power Boost. And today's quote of the day. So before I get started, I just want to invite everyone who's listening to a group coaching call. I'm going to start doing one a month and one's coming up April 30th. Not sure when this podcast will be released, but if you go to lifecoachingforparents.com, record my question with hyphens in between, you can email me or record a question that you want me to answer either on the podcast or if you want live coaching, you can choose your preference and meet me on the group call. Make sure you are signed up for my list so you get the call in information. And that's at lifecoachingforparents.com. You can sign up there. So today we're going to answer this question coming from Ava. She writes, my son is eight, a great kid all around, but he's mean to me. He can be sweet and loving one minute, rude and disrespectful the next. He talks back, ignores me when I'm talking, and accidentally, quote-unquote, bumps me with his backpack when we're walking into school. The teachers have no complaints. He behaves perfectly at school. It's only at home with me that his disrespectful behavior comes out. What am I doing to make him treat me so poorly? Well, I want to thank you for this question, Ava. I will never forget when the speakers bureau that I was working for asked me if I could teach a class on raising gracious children. I thought they were joking. (laughs) They knew my daughter. She'd been hanging around since she was a baby. Every time I brought her into the office, they would say, oh, hi, how are you? Look at your cute shoes. How old are you? She never answered. She would stare and glare, but never smile and never respond. So I thought they were being sarcastic when they asked me to teach this class. I thought they were making a joke about me teaching a class on gracious children based on my very ungracious daughter. But they either didn't notice or didn't care. I was the one who was much more aware of her behavior because I was such a people pleaser and wanted everybody to feel good and get what they wanted in reaction from her. But they were totally serious, so I figured this will be a good challenge for me. I'm going to take this on and teach this class on how to raise gracious children. Well, here's what I learned from my research and preparation for teaching this class. Children learn by imitation. Number one way, hands down. If you are kind and polite, chances are your kids will be too. Eventually. When they're little, their personality, their emotions, all sorts of other motivations come before these social niceties and mores. So the real question I set out to answer is, how the heck do I act graciously no matter how my child is behaving? That's the real challenge. If they learn by imitation, 
how can I be kind and polite and nice even when she's driving me crazy? So I'm going to dive into this more in the life coaching answer, but first we'll start with a parent education answer. As a parent educator, we want to take a look at what might be motivating Ava's son to be polite at school and rude at home. Because there's no such thing as a disrespectful child, right? That's a label that we're putting on our child's behavior. When they act in a way that we don't like, we're calling it disrespectful. All kids behave nice sometimes, rude other times. Like that's just kind of a normal thing of being a kid. So this is Ava's label that she's putting on the behavior. And we want to take a look at why he might be acting differently at school and at home. Based on what she described in her letter, I'm going to guess it's one of two things. Number one, he feels yucky on the inside and he wants you to know it. It's possible that he doesn't know how to express his negative emotions in a constructive way and or he doesn't feel like it's okay to have negative emotions. Like maybe he's feeling mad or sad about something and he doesn't feel like it's okay for him to express it. If this is the case, helping him develop some emotional vocabulary is very helpful. You can do this by talking about your own emotions. I feel so mad that I want to hit something. You could even find something to hit that's appropriate, like a couch cushion you could pound on or go outside and kick a cardboard box around or stomp on it. Demonstrating what an appropriate way to express anger is, right? If you're feeling low one day, you could tell him, you know, I feel so sad. I'm just going to go outside and be by myself for a little while. I'm disappointed that my friend canceled plans on me, so I'm going to draw a picture of what I'm feeling. Showing your son that everybody has negative emotions and modeling how to cope with them in healthy and appropriate ways could boost his emotional intelligence, which might be what he's, what he's looking for here. You can also help him pay attention to his own emotions when you notice that he's starting to misbehave. So you can say things like, you feel disappointed or you feel frustrated. We don't want to say, you feel like you wish you could, blah, blah, blah. You want to just label the emotion. And so it's a three-word sentence. You feel mad. You feel sad. Being really basic like that and not going into a bunch of stories is zeroing in on his emotion, which is what we want. We want to address the fact that, that he, of what he's feeling, because that's what motivates action is our emotions every single time. You could put a, print out a page of different emotion faces. Like, have you ever seen those like feeling faces with like different expressions on their faces with emotions labeled? You can print one of those off the internet. Just go to Google image search and put it on your fridge and help him identify and understand the nuances of his different emotions. He doesn't have to be in a high emotion for this. He can look at this every day and say, what am I feeling? Or which of these faces feels most like me today? Just to help him build that emotional vocabulary and emotional intelligence. When we are having strong emotions, they feel really overwhelming. By naming them, we contain them and it makes them feel manageable. So I learned this the hard way. When I was 14 years old, I tried out for cheerleading. I had worked hard. I did my best, but I did not make the squad. 
When I walked into the house after the tryouts, my dad said, I thought you said you weren't going to be disappointed if you didn't make the squad. I burst into tears, (laughs) yelled, I said I would be disappointed, and I ran to the bathroom and slammed the door. I remember looking in the mirror with the tears streaming down my face and saying to myself, oh, I'm disappointed. That's what this is. I've been disappointed before. I can handle this. Like as soon as we had a name for what I was feeling on the inside, which felt huge and overwhelming, it made it not that big of a deal. I felt fine. I was totally over it. But what was even more noticeable was the next year when I tried out again and I still didn't make it. I allowed myself to be disappointed without any drama. Like I just needed a name to put on it. So humans aren't meant to be happy all the time. We want to make sure that our kids have access to the wide range of human emotions. We want them to have a name for it, to be able to label it, and to have permission to feel it. And we can do this by modeling it for them in a healthy way. Number two, reason why he might be good at school and disrespectful at home, quote unquote, I'm using your terms, is that he might want you to discipline him. So discipline comes from the root word disciple, meaning to teach. A lot of us think discipline is like, you know, harsh, me being mean and angry and punishment, but really just means to teach. Kids like rules and structure when it comes to their behavior, even if they don't show it. When kids know what to expect, it calms them down. Sometimes they might choose to ignore our expectations, but it's our job to lay it out there anyways and tell them the behavior that we want to see. I struggled parenting a rebellious child who was always fighting for power. I would try and offer her choices like all the parenting books said to do. Do you want to wear the red outfit or the blue outfit? She would never choose one of the options that I offered. Even if I offered three, four, five, she would always go like behind my back and like choose the one thing I didn't want her to wear (laughs) just to defy me. I would ask her if she wanted mac and cheese or peanut butter sandwich for lunch. She would declare that she is now only eating red foods. As soon as my fridge is full of red foods, she would switch to green. It drove me crazy because I wanted life to be easy and for us to get along. She just wanted to assert her power. After much debate, I decided to put my strong-willed daughter in Catholic school. I was nervous. It was a great kindergarten program with the most fabulous teacher, but it was old school strict. These kids were taught to behave. I thought, this is either going to be a disaster or it's going to be perfect. (laughs) My plan in the back of my mind was to switch her to a Montessori school for first grade, assuming kindergarten was going to be a terrible experience. But her teacher was so savvy. My daughter tested her for the first four months. How much can I get away with? Do you really mean what you say? What if I do it this way? You draw the line here. What about here? She just kept testing the authority figures in her school to see how strong are you? Are you really as strong, if not stronger than me? As soon as my daughter realized she couldn't outsmart her teacher she relaxed. It's like all that energy and attention she was putting into trying to control everyone and everything could shift into just learning and being a kid. 
So some kids are strong-willed and will fight for power, but it's actually too much responsibility for them to be in charge. No five-year-old or eight-year-old should be in charge. When kids know that there's a strong authority figure present, they get to be a kid. They get to relax and play knowing someone else will steer them back on track if they wander. Could it be, Ava, that your son is asking for more discipline? Well, the life coaching answer based on Ava's question is what's keeping you from being able to implement these changes or here you've, you know, like this is what happens, right? We look it up in a parenting book. We Google, how do I get my kid to be respectful? We get some tips and tricks and then we struggle to implement. So what we want to look at is what might get in Ava's way from implementing these changes. And I'm going to guess, Ava, that you bounce back and forth between anger and frustration. He shouldn't be treating me this way. He's disrespectful. He needs to change to the other end of the spectrum, which is helplessness. Why can't he just be nice to me? What am I doing wrong? This bouncing back and forth inside our own heads does not feel good. (laughs) It's kind of like you've got this powerless abandoned kitten on one shoulder whispering like, please be nice to me. And then this ferocious tiger on the other saying, you better be nice to me. So going back and forth between these two extremes actually keeps you out of your power as a parent, your calm, assertive energy, your confidence, that it's these two extremes that are going to get in your way. I want you to listen to the energy embedded in your last sentence of the question. So I'll repeat it. It says, what am I doing that makes him act so poorly? Can you kind of feel the energy and emotion in that sentence? There's a sense of self-blame. What am I doing? I'm guessing there's a piece of guilt there. Like I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing something bad that makes him act bad. It's coming from a weaker energy. Your first sentence in the question felt the opposite. What's the right way to handle a disrespectful child? Can you hear that this one's a little bit more annoyed? (laughs) It implies there's a right way and a wrong way. It's very kind of perfectionistic, black and white. And because you're labeling the behavior as disrespectful, I'm guessing you're angry, you're frustrated. Now, most people think that this angry, ferocious tiger energy is you being powerful. But studies show the most powerful energy is a calm, assertive energy. We are wired to follow a calm, assertive leader. In order to teach your child how to treat you, you first got to find your calm, confident energy, which means you've got to step out of blame and self-blaming yourself or blaming him and just accept reality without arguing against it, like saying like, yes, sometimes he's nice, sometimes he's rude, sometimes he bumps into me, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he ignores me, sometimes he pays attention to me. That's probably the reality, right? And so we just want to accept things as they are, as the first step, and not blame him or yourself. You aren't a bad mom because your child misbehaves. Can you imagine a child that never talks back to their parent? that always says the right thing at the right time in the right way since the day they learned to talk? Like, that would be weird, right? Like a little Stepford robot child. If your kid 
was absolutely perfect and always said the right thing, you'd be writing in to me. You're like concerned that your child is behaving too well. Like something must be wrong with them. They always say the right thing. They never misbehave. Like what am I doing wrong is probably what you would write in to me, right? So it's not normal or healthy for a kid to always be saying the right thing. Our thoughts create our emotional energy. Notice how you feel when you think the thought, he's disrespectful. When we think the thought, he's being disrespectful, it makes us angry, annoyed, you want to snap back, yell, give him the silent treatment, basically mirror how he's treating you. When you think the thought, what am I doing wrong? Why won't he be nice to me? I should have figured this out by now. It's my fault that he's acting poorly. When you think that way, those thoughts make you feel weak. You give in, letting him have the power to treat you poorly. You want to find a thought that gives you the feeling of calm confidence. The word that helped me was the word teach. I can teach her to be kind by my actions. I will teach her how to treat me. This word implied patience, repetition, calm. So every time my daughter did something I didn't like, I would treat it as a lesson. I would tell her, you know, when you ignore me, I feel unimportant. What I want to hear you say is, okay, mom, what I want to see you do is to turn around, look me in the eye, and nod your head. (laughs) Most kids don't like learning the same lesson every day, especially strong-willed ones. This instruction motivated her to adopt the behavior I was looking for because being told the same thing every day becomes annoying. When she talked back, I would remind myself that she is asking me for more guidance. So in order to curb your son's behavior, Ava, you want to find a thought that gives you the feeling of calm confidence. So I can teach him how to treat me might not be the right thought for you, but you could think the thought, He wants me to give him guidance. He wants to know what's expected of him. Uh, I know what to do here is a good one. Think it often and see if it helps you change your behavior, which will give you a different result. It'll give you the change in your son's behavior that you're looking for. Today's Supermom Kryptonite is The Dictator and the Wild Child. So I learned about this concept from my very first life coaching teacher, Martha Beck. I obsessively read every book she wrote because she's such a brilliant writer. And I learned about The Dictator and the Wild Child in her book, The Four-Day Win. This was about called End Your Diet War and Achieve Thinner Peace. So when people are dieting to lose weight, they very often create opposing characters. She calls them the dictator and the wild child. So there's these little characters, these voices inside of our heads that only operate in extremes, right? So the dictator only allows us to eat spinach and quinoa, and we have to do everything right, and we can never have a bite of sugar, and we never falter from the plan or detour from this diet that we've put ourselves on. Well, most people can't keep up with this perfectionistic discipline, nor do they want to. So they create this wild child who rebels against the dictator and says, screw you, I can do whatever I want, I'm going to eat what I want, anytime I want. Well, bouncing back and forth between these two extremes, this dictator is perfectionistic and very black and white, and this rebel who's 
you know, wants to rebel against these harsh rules and just wants whatever it wants, whenever it wants it. When we bounce back and forth between these two extremes, it's exhausting and a huge energy drain. You decide you want to eat healthy, but then you rebel against yourself to the point where it feels like you're eating behind your own back. And that misalignment with our own integrity will always drain our energy. So these two extremes can play out in parenting as well as in weight loss. We develop this kind of idealized version of ourselves, the perfectly balanced mom who does everything right, whose house is clean, who does perfect little crafts with her kids, who always you know, says the right thing and inspires this brilliant action. Naturally, we can't keep up with these perfectionistic expectations. So instead, we yell, we say things we regret, we snap at our kids, we never understanding that it's because our own expectations for ourselves aren't allowing for imperfection. If this is sounding familiar at all, if this is resonating, the fix for you isn't more power and discipline. Nor is it to beat up on yourself, blame yourself, tell yourself what a terrible parent you are. Those are the coming from the two extremes. We want to listen to the wild child. What is it telling us that we need more of? What would feel joyful, playful to the wild child? This is not an angel and devil on the shoulder scenario. There's not like one right way and one wrong way. We want to bring it to the middle. We don't want to maintain perfection. That's not part of the human experience. So that goal will always create rebellion. So you want to find some middle ground by asking, well, what do I want to feel no matter how my kids behave? How do I want to feel? I want to feel calm. I want to feel confident. And that means allowing ourselves to make mistakes, allowing our kids to be rude sometimes, and not making a big deal out of it. Just saying like, yeah, this is part of being human. Sometimes we're nice. Sometimes we're mean. How I want to react when those things happen is that's the middle ground. That's my choice. And that will boost your energy and not drain your energy quite so much as listening to these two extremes. Today's Super Mom Power Boost is becoming the watcher. A friend of mine described this the best for me. She was lying in a hospital bed, having a severe allergic reaction to a medication. Her body was in anaphylactic shock, and her brain had gone into psychosis. As she lay there, she became aware of her body shutting down and her brain spinning in crazy directions. Very calmly, she had the thought, there's a third thing. My body's freaking out. My brain is in crazy town. But there's a third thing. This part of me that could observe the other two things without attachment is very calm. And she, when she came out of this, she kind of set on a mission to figure out, like, what is this third thing? And you don't have to be in a life-threatening situation to become the watcher of your brain. In fact, we do it on every life coaching call. (laughs) This becoming the watcher is this detached observer. 
When you become the watcher of your mind, you detach from the wild child and the dictator. You aren't either one of those things. You're the person who can observe them, watch them argue, talk, fight with each other. But with detachment, it's like being a scientist, just observing with curiosity, not buying into either one of their stories. Learning to become the watcher of your brain and your body is key to a peaceful, engaged life. This is what meditation is all about. When they look at people's brains who spend a lot of time in this watcher position, they rank higher on happiness scores. From the watcher position, you get to choose how to react when your kid talks back, what goals you want to pursue, where you want to put your time and energy, whether you want to eat that piece of candy or not. Everything you want in life begins with becoming the watcher. Meditation, journal writing, life coaching, mindfulness, all of these things are helping to develop this skill. So that's why it's today's Supermom Power Boost is to become the watcher of your own brain. Today's quote of the day is from Martha Beck. Stepping back from the dictator and the wild child and becoming the watcher is like thinking you've been stuck on a railroad track, able to move only backward and forward and discovering that you had the capacity to fly all along. Thanks so much for listening. I wish you a great day and I will love you and you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.